Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. This is the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. So the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan, and joining me again two weeks in a row is Alicia Rodriguez of LAG Confidential. Welcome to the show. You're like a regular co-host at this point. I know. Surprise. I'm back. Right. I know. It's um, we're going to if I'm good about doing this, we're going to be hearing a lot from you. Uh, maybe maybe nine times if we get crazy. Oh boy. <laughs> Hope everyone's ready. All right. Well, so let's put on your LA Galaxy hat for uh, for this one. And we got this is this is shaping up to be a, a good good matchup. Theoretically, if someone wins this game, they will be leading the Supporters' Shield race, if my math is correct. Yeah, uh, the Galaxy has started 2-0. and They've had identical 3-2 wins to start the season, so you can take some really big positives on the attacking end and um, a few fewer positives on the defensive side, but they're getting the job done so far. And, um, you know, for a team that I think really, really needed a reset, uh, not only after last year, but after the last several years, they've gotten it so far and, and so far so good. The, the vibes are there, the stars are performing and um, you know, people are feeling pretty good about the team right now, which is a little bit different than what it's been like for, for a little while. So has the switch been that easy to flip in terms of the mood around the team? Cause I, it felt like it got pretty dark uh, last year at times. Like I have a few galaxy fans that I follow and um they were about as down on this team as you could be like, like kind of like, let's start, we got to start this thing. And I didn't get the sense that this off season was seen as some sort of grand restart, but here we are two, two weeks in granted, but like, I don't think I've seen this much positivity coming out of, out of home Depot center or whatever that's, what is it called now? It's not called home Depot center. Dignity health sports park. There we go. Dignity health sports park. Uh, I haven't seen this sort of positivity coming out of there like since 2014, like a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, I will say that galaxy fans have very high standards. So there are times when you sort of say, yeah, that was a decent point. And they'll say, what are you talking about? That was terrible. We should have won, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But no, I think um, it was pretty obvious that they needed to change direction in terms of coach. And I think with Guillermo Barroscalotto last season, they had a four game winning streak coming out of the um, MLS's back tournament when we returned to the local phase of play. Um, and then it like the wheels completely fell off after that. And I don't know if they just like trained really well and prepared really well for a couple of weeks. And then it just like nothing went right after that. Or I think it was just kind of to an extent the chickens coming home to roost as far as the style they played, the injuries that they had, the morale, the results they were getting. Um, and so Scaloto didn't finish the season. I think in the, in the end, that was the right call. Um, even though it was only a few games from the end, it just, it was untenable and it was becoming like increasingly embarrassing to see, you know, a team that 
is supposed to be one of the standard bearers in MLS, like limp to, you know, five, one losses, like <laughs> time and again and again. Um, so they hired Greg Vanny and I think he absolutely was the right guy for the job. This isn't to say that there won't be bumps along the way. I mean, he's just getting started, but he executed, I think an even harder turnaround at Toronto FC, um, made them a perennial contender and they won a bunch of trophies. He used to play for the galaxy. He, he clearly has an affinity for the club and I he's think from he has, LA, right? He went to UC. I know he went to UCLA. I don't know if he's yeah, from he's, I'm pretty California. sure he's from Arizona, but yeah, he, he mm. went to college at UCLA and, um, he, I think he joined the galaxy in 1997. So he was there from near the beginning. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it, it's something that I think he was both engaged by and also something that he's proven he can do. And so I think that that should give people plenty of optimism that he can, uh, lead to an immediate turnaround. And one thing that I always maintained last year when the galaxy were really terrible is that they were underperforming, like their roster was not a contender by any means, but they should have easily been a playoff team last season and they completely underachieved. And so if Vanny can, first of all, get, you know, his team to achieve at a, at the level they should be at, then that's automatically going to um, pay huge dividends. And so far we've seen that through two weeks. And again, it's early, but uh, promising signs so far. So you mentioned that four game winning streak coming out of MLS's back last year. Are there similarities to what's going on now? Or do you think that was, did that feel like a false dawn even in real time back then? Well, it's always hard to say, because when you see a game and the team looks really good, then you're like, okay, well, they've turned a corner, you know, right. like, it's, all, it's all good now. And then they don't, they go back and they regress. Um, like I said, I mean, the Galaxy are not going to win 34 games, 3-2 this season. Um, you know, Chicharito is not going to score 85 goals, right? Like there's going to be some, you know, peaks and valleys along the way. But one of the things that I appreciate about Vanny is that he is an adaptive coach. So if something's not working, like he'll make changes. And like, there are coaches who don't do that, right? There are coaches who say, well, we have to stick to the plan. And, you know, the, the plan is the only way this will work. We can't get out of it if we don't do the plan. Whereas Vanny says, okay, hang on a minute. This isn't working. Let's change something. And they did that in the first game. They started Chicharito up top by himself and he just was not getting any service. And the team was like sending all these looping crosses to him. And that's not the way that you you know, get the most out of him. Um, he's a short guy and he, he's not an aerial presence really. So Vanny brought a, a second forward on, pushed him up and that second forward, Ethan Zubak immediately got him an assist to, you know, spark the rally. So, um, you know, he makes changes. And I think that that's something that you need to see, especially with a team when you're coming in, you're making changes to the roster, but it's going to take some time. In the meantime, you have to be a little bit adaptive in order to get some results, but also, you know, over time, hopefully kind of build a style that you, you know, you're comfortable with and you want to play with. And I think he's somebody who can do both and that's pretty unusual. So, um, you know, hopefully that, that works out, but I, I have a lot of confidence in him. If you couldn't tell. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's certainly fair. He's got a, he's got a track record that suggests that I always think it's as an aside, I always think it's funny when people talk about coaches and systems and the coaches that have these really strict systems somehow become raised to geniuses. But to me, it always has made more sense that the coach who can adapt to the talent that he has and can kind of move things around and, and try not just different formations, but different tactical approaches are probably the coach you want on your team. Like I, 
like it's nice in theory to think of players that you can just kind of plug and play into different spots, but very few rosters, especially in MLS are built in a way that you can just have one formation and you have one backup essentially for every spot. Like it's just not without losing, losing something there. It's, it seems much better to try to use the talent you have. And, uh, and that seems to be what, what Greg Vanny has always specialized in is, is something more like along the Siggy Schmid uh, ethos of like, you figure out the best formation for the players you have, not, not the other way around. But anyway, uh, I, one, one of those players who seems to have really stood out is Ethan Zubak, a player who Sounders fans may remember uh, not because of anything he's done in MLS, but because he was on some of those Academy teams that the Sounders and, and LA galaxy Academy kept going head to head late in, in various tournaments. And Zubak was one of the stars on those teams. What can you tell us about Zubak, his rise and, uh, and, and tell us a little bit more about him in general as, as a player. Sure. He, uh, so he's, as you said, he came through the galaxy Academy. He spent, I think two or three years with uh, Los Dos, the USL team. Uh, he was a pretty consistent scorer for them. You know, he's a, a lanky rangy guy and kind of one of those like stereotypical kind of, you know, lanky forwards, you know, getting up into space, but also able to do some, you know, banging with the center backs and stuff and, and getting physical up there, that kind of thing. Um, he signed a homegrown deal with the first team. And then last year, uh, since Chicharito was hurt uh, for like the majority of the season, uh, the Galaxy did not plan particularly well in terms of the roster. And so Zubak was the only other forward on the roster. And so he got a boatload of playing time. And, you know, it's one of those situations where um, he's not a player that you necessarily would have said, oh, the, this guy, he's destined to be a superstar in MLS. But because he had an opportunity to get playing time, even in some really rough games, you know, he scored a handful of goals. He's a really good aerial presence in MLS. Um, obviously, he's, he's still a young guy, so he could probably fill out a little bit and, you know, bulk up a little bit more to, you know, to be able to really withstand um, MLS defenses. But he can get up in the air. He can do that that heading off free kicks and, and corners and whatnot. And, and he's probably good for a few, um, you know, goals in a season. To me, he's like a classic support striker. Like he's not going to be somebody who scores 20 goals for you, but he can score, you know, six or seven goals. He can um, help create space for your stars. He can, you know, put in a good shift. And, and I think that's what he's doing so far. And um, Vanny has kind of uh, gone back and forth between putting Zubek as like a pure second striker alongside Chicharito and kind of playing him on the wing. Um, which is something that we hadn't really seen before, or at least I am not familiar with him, you know, playing in at least the pro level before. Um, and he's looked pretty good. You know, he, he seems to be able to hit a pass in the attack and, um, and yeah, he, he's, he's doing a lot to help unlock Chicharito. And uh, to be perfectly honest, you know, I, I cover this team day in and day out. I didn't necessarily think that Ethan Zubak was going to be one of the key figures and, unlocking Chicharito, but, uh, so far so good. He's, he's set up a goal in each game. Um, and you know, he, I think he's a good support striker who again, will will put in a good shift and, um, you know, somebody who looks like he's going to be part of the mix, uh, this season. So Chicharito obviously is the, is the big player here. Probably should ask you a question about him. Uh, it, how much of what he's doing this year is, knew how much of his struggles last year had to do like it we, it's been pretty well documented at this point that he went through a lot of off-field issues last year I mean is it is it as simple as his he's got a clearer head or is he is there something 
like more kind of easily explained than than just that? It's a combination of of him getting in the right headspace, preparing. I think he, I don't think he was like he showed up to MLS and was like, oh, I got this. But I, I think he 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 was extremely honest this offseason and saying. I didn't, you know, I needed to work harder and I needed to step it up. And I assume to an extent that's partly because of age, you know, you get to a certain age and you got to like work harder. The things that came easily in the past, maybe don't come as easily anymore. So he did all that stuff. He got into excellent shape in the off season. He changed his diet, you know, like he's obviously a, a you know, superstar multimillionaire. So he like got a hyperbaric chamber for his house and you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Like he did all, you know, he pulled out all the stops, which is great. Right. I mean, that's, you know, that kind of commitment is what you want to see. Right. And then on top of that, um, like I said earlier, I think the team is playing in a style that complements him now, whereas before it was sort of like Scalotto was like, okay, um, Chicharito, you hang out in the box and then uh, the wingers are going to uh, bomb in crosses and then you score. And that was the only, that was the only like plan. There was no plan B plan B was get the ball to Christian Pavone who's not on the team anymore. And, you know, he can just do something heroic and, you know, hopefully we'll get something out of it. Like that's not tenable, right? Like that's not a way to succeed in MLS. Now there's like actual, you know, you can see like the, the plans and how they make sense and how it's, it's coming together. So they're playing a style that complements him. He's in good shape. He has players who are actually setting him up. That was also a problem last year. They're just, were not playmakers to, you know, really unlock him and, and get that pet, that through ball in or, um, you know, get to the end line and do the good cutback four times a game and, and make sure he gets a chance in one of those, that kind of thing. Um, and they have that this year. So it's, it's obviously making a, a big difference so far. And um, he has five goals in, in two games to start the season, which I think anyone uh, in that position would take. Yeah. One, apparently one goal away from, he's currently tied for the record for most goals through two games. He's one goal away from tying Ante Razov for the most goals through three games. Uh, make of that what you will. I get the guy he was tied with Brian Ching for most through two games ended up scoring 11 goals the year he did that. So who knows where this goes, but it's an amazing start. He's already uh, surpassed. Uh, I think he's more than doubled what he had last year. Right. Right. And, uh, and so clearly a great start for him. You mentioned Christian Pavone. Is he totally out of the team now? Is the, has, have the galaxy moved on from him? It would appear so. They, um, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with the young money versus young DP situation because they hi- they signed uh, a French winger named Kevin Cabral out of France as a young designated player. So that means they have zero slots. So therefore, uh, Pavone looks like uh, it's, it's no longer being pursued. Um, obviously, Pavone also has legal issues in his native Argentina. He's um, under investigation for sexual assault. So Um, the galaxy were already kind of peeling back a little bit. Um, once I think they kind of realized we were going to keep asking them, why are you pursuing a a player who's been, who's under investigation for sexual assault? And, um, I think they sort of were like, well, maybe we should, you know, take a beat because they were, uh, the reports were that they were willing to spend like $10 million. And if he's got a squeaky clean reputation then $10 million, maybe okay. But if you you don't want to buy a player for $10 million and then he has to go to jail because he. It's a bad look if nothing yeah, else. Yeah, it's a, Speak nothing know, of the investment that you would lose. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, so they haven't said formally out loud to the public, Oh, it's dead. We're never going back. I, I suppose it's possible that they could try to get him at the end of the year or something if his legal case is resolved um, or they could just have moved on and probably in the long run, considering the, 
fact that they're, they were negotiating with Boca Juniors, who is one of the most intractable clubs in the world for these okay. kind of things, a lot of money, um, you know, all that kind of thing. It may have just been best to move on and, and try to look elsewhere. And, and so, so far, that's what they've done. So they've made a, at least one other notable signing other than the young DP that you mentioned, right? Uh, just this week, they, they signed someone, right? Yeah, so they've been going to the French well. Uh, Greg Vanny played in France, so I think that's where this is coming from. They signed Cabral. Uh, they also sent his twin brother to the uh, USL team, I think mm. probably as an acclamation slash let's take care of the family, maybe kind of thing. Who knows? Maybe he's a great player too, and he just needs a little more yeah, time. Sure. You never know. Um, and then they also signed Samuel Grancier, um, who was with Monaco, which is a big team, um, but he wasn't getting playing time, so he needed a change of scenery um he's a winger as well and he's been playing the first couple weeks he's had some good moments but I think he needs some time to you know get up to fitness and find some chemistry with his teammates but you know it's early days and then this week they signed um Sega Koulibaly uh also out of France um he's a defender um and that's something that they need to address they also signed a guy called uh Derek Williams he's an Irish international who uh, last played in England. Um, so I think there's going to be probably some real competition at center back. And from what we saw, especially in the last game, they could use some, some competition. So um, I look forward to seeing what those, those guys can offer um, because the center back's been a real like bugbear for this club for quite, quite some time. Quite some time yeah. Uh, probably since the days of Omar Gonzalez exactly. and AJ De La Garza, really. Like I, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I could tell you who some of those center backs they've used then, but I don't know they've had any consistency at the position. Um, Daniel Steers, of not a bad player, but not someone you I would imagine has probably had the most starts over the last five years of any other center yeah. back there. And that's uh, he, Daniel Steers. I don't think is someone who's going to be starting for a lot of uh, MLS teams. Anyway, uh, I, I bring I bring that all up because the defense has been the one area this year where they they've scored six goals. They've looked dangerous going forward but they've also been pretty leaky in the back four goals allowed um i imagine it's and that might be understating it to a maybe a little bit of a degree or maybe it's not you tell me uh how has the defense looked and and how much of a concern is that yeah i think in the first game um you know they one of the goals they gave up was a penalty so it's like i mean what can you do when it's a penalty that kind of thing the other one was a breakaway um it was the first game of the season it was on the road i mean obviously if you're like a defender that's a no-no regardless but I mean, it was a kind of a fringy offside one too, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can kind of understand the context, I think a little bit better. And I actually think the defense played pretty well in the first game. I think last week they really kind of got found out and they like hung on by their fingernails for the last 30 minutes or so of the game. I mean, it was like excruciating um, because it looked like they were about to give up an equalizer at any point. Um, Vanny really emphasized that the Red Bulls who they played last week, they play different than everybody else. It's going to be, you know, a weird game. Like it's, it's going to, you know, be difficult. And so he kind of like tried to allay our fears, I think coming into it a little bit, but even so I think it, it did expose some of the issues in the defense and um, they, to their credit, they have, you know, upgraded this, this off season, in addition to the two center backs who I mentioned, who I think are at the very least going to be in the mix uh, to start, if not just take over as starters eventually, um, they got Jorge Villafana um, from the Portland Timbers. The Timbers appear to just want to get rid of all their fullbacks. And so <laughs> the Galaxy were like, okay, sounds good. You know, we'll take him. Um, he's, he's looked pretty good so far. 
And then on the right, um, Julian Araujo is finally getting an opportunity to start for whatever reason. Scaloto loved Rolf Felcher, and I thought he was one of the worst defenders in the league and he just kept on starting him and it was like okay well what is going on here so Araujo is getting an opportunity now um and you know they have high hopes for him but um he has to like you know keep making steps up and, and showing that he not only is a good MLS right back but that he could potentially be sold abroad and I think this is a big year for him in that respect and then they also got uh somebody that Sounders fans are familiar with O'Neill Fisher um as backup or you know uh, rotation starter or whatever. Um, and he, he started the first game and, uh, he looked good. Um, I couldn't remember exactly when he had had his, uh, torn ACL from DC. It, it had been over a year. So, yeah. um, you know, he looked, he looked pretty good in the, in the opener. So they, they have made, um, you know, actual moves to try and address the defense. And, and they also got a new goalkeeper, Jonathan bond, um, in the off season. And, and he's been uh, pretty good, right? Yeah, he's looked good. I think he he's he's a little bit older. He's like 27 or 28. Um, but you know, he's not somebody that's like creaky and anything. Um, and he Klinsman's still on the roster. Klinsman is still on the roster. Um, but I think Bond pretty clearly beat him out um in, in preseason. And uh Bond is is uh pretty vocal and seems to like command the area, which is something that the galaxy have I think needed. And um, I don't know, he just seems like you know, he's one of those goalkeepers who like, you know, you can tell in the moment he's intense, but like when he's off the field, he's sort of like, Oh, you know, I'm here in California. Like life's pretty good. You know, like I'm not complaining <laughs> at all. So right. he seems pretty chill uh, off the, off the field. So, uh, but yeah, he's off to a good start. Even if they've conceded four goals, I wouldn't say any of those were, were down to him. So one of the players that won't be in this game is Sebastian Legit. Uh he, he had an interesting situation. I'll just let you describe it. Uh, but it, it's interesting because it wasn't necessarily straightforward either. Yeah. So uh, Sebastian Legette, he's uh, super popular on uh, social media. He's I, probably one of the, aside from like the global superstar tier yeah. of MLS players, he's probably one of the most popular MLS players on like Instagram. And on his Instagram, he used uh, a homophobic slur that is pretty common in soccer with the, you know, a chant that many of us have heard before. Um, he used that in a joking manner towards a teammate. Um, and then, uh, our colleagues at Outsports, uh, spotted it and called him up and said, Hey, can, can you explain what, what happened here? And, uh, he immediately was like, Oh, that was a mistake. I, you know, I'm really sorry. And, uh, he even said, thank you for, you know, for calling me out on that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, kind of unusually, he ended up going on MLS media day, which typically was, a player is involved in some sort of controversial something or other. They're just held back from, you know, media right. appearances. And he was not, I don't know if he asked to, to speak or if they thought, well, you know, it's no big deal. Like, I'm not quite sure what the circumstances were, but he went on MLS media day and spoke to a national uh, panel of, of writers. And uh, he cried. He said that he was incredibly sorry for what he had done. And um, he, he knew that he had made a, a huge mistake and he was prepared to accept any punishment that uh, was coming his way. And he was committing himself to working with the LGBTQ community. And um, so I think he was genuinely contrite, uh, remorseful. Um, I think he said the right things. And I don't think it was just meant to kind of paper things over. I think he he didn't hide from it at all. No, no, I thought that was kind of one of the notable things about it. And and there's been a, a few 
situations like that where the players have, I think, honestly expressed contrition. You know, Mark, uh, it, uh, there was a similar similar situation here, Mark Birch. Um, but the big difference, I think, between this one and previous instances is that most of these other instances happened by something like heat of the moment, right. anger, like yelling at an opponent. Whereas this one was off the field. It was joking around with a teammate. It was clearly said in jest. It was a completely different context, which doesn't excuse it. No. And in some ways, in some ways, I suppose you could say it's worse because why are you posting that? Like, it's one thing to do this, you know, privately between friends. It's another thing to post it on social media. We don't need to get into all that. But he did express contrition. He seemed to understand what, what he did wrong. And so he only got a two-game suspension instead of what has become kind of a standard three-game suspension. And it seems like most people that were involved in the case feel like that was a fair punishment. Although he was allowed to play the first game of the season, even though this happened before the first game of the season, I don't, that one's a little harder to. Yeah. I I talked to somebody and like, I thought maybe there was a player's union, you know, kind of, um, you know, we just need to go through the process and make sure everything is, you know, looked over properly before we sign off on it or anything like that. Somebody I talked to said, no, I think the league was uh, dragging their feet a little bit and didn't want to move too hastily. Hmm. Um, so yeah, they let him play the first game, which made everyone think, okay, he got off on like, he's not going to get anything or right. what's going on here. And then after the first game, he got a two game suspension. So he will be suspended for this game against the Sounders. Again, I think, um, you know, Vanny said, yeah, we, we uh, support the decision. You know, they're like, he did say something like we thought about, you know, we, we had discussions. I think somebody asked him if they were going to appeal. I think that would have been in pretty poor taste, honestly. And, <laughs> Um, I don't think they did in the end. Especially um, on the heels of their, the the way that the Pavone situation started would, would have been cast in even more kind of weird light because there was a real tone deafness to their pursuit of Pavone early on, like early right. on in the off season because these allegations were very much out in the open and the team was acting like, well, of course he's a talented player. Why wouldn't we try to sign him? And it's like, wait, what? What, what year is this? Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, like the galaxy have had some high profile issues and, you know, last year they had two players who they uh, canceled contracts, one with the reserve team and one with the first team um, over, well, one was a, a racial slur was uttered by the player on the field. They, they canceled his contract that week. The other one was Alexander Katai, which is a whole different can of worms. His wife, uh, Oh man. I posted racist uh, stuff on social media and the team and the player decided to part ways. And I think that they probably all saw the writing on the wall. So the club has, uh, you know, cause I think a lot of employers would say, a lot of clubs would say it's his wife that has nothing to do with the player. Like we don't have any standing to do this. We could get sued. You know, this could be a whole, and no, they, they dealt with it quickly. And I think the, the fan base really appreciated that overall. I think it was a very popular move to get rid of Katai even if it was by proxy, his wife, who, um, you know, said some really, really hateful things on social media. But yeah, I mean, coming into the season, there's been a few times when you're like, hmm, that's a little odd, but okay, I guess we'll just see what happens. And um, again, I mean, like you said, I think uh, everyone kind of agrees that two game suspension is probably a, a pretty fair outcome uh, for legit. And I actually think we'll be seeing him do some, you know, genuine community work and trying to educate himself and trying to help others. And, um, 
you know, trying to make the world a better place, probably moving forward. So I look forward to seeing that. So what does the lineup look like uh, going into this game? Do we know of any other notable absences? No, we haven't uh, talked to the team yet. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to them on Friday. So um, we'll see if they have any absences, but um, I think there's a chance that Derek Williams will play uh, the, one of the new center backs that I mentioned earlier. Uh, he apparently had been in contention last week, but they decided to, to hold him a little bit longer. Um, so he could come in um, and, you know, that might be interesting just to see how he looks uh, in, you know, a pretty big game, I think in, in his first action, that would be a, a pretty interesting um, thing, but he could give some new looks that, you know, Sounders players aren't familiar with either. Um, otherwise I am guessing the lineup is going to look pretty much the same as it did uh, last week. And I think their, their starting 11 is probably pretty settled, you know, they're for, for the next, you know, until the, the fixture congestion really piles up, we're probably going to see the same, you know, nine or 10 guys every game and, and just maybe an occasional change. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I expect. Yeah. And for what it's worth, I think it's probably the same deal for the Sounders uh, with the exception being who knows what's going to happen with Jamar Gomez on draw day. It's I I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting and if he's starting, I would imagine it's in place of Shane O'Neill. The other question is Nico Ladero, who we were told this week will be available. It, my understanding is he's not 90 minutes fit. He hasn't ever come off the bench, but he's also almost never leaves early. So it's hard to know what to make of that. But uh, I, my suspicion is that they're going to be inclined to let Josh Atencio start again. He's looked very good. Uh, he's the player that would most likely be pulled off if, if Ladero uh, came back into the lineup this week. Um, but it seems to make more sense bring Ladero in, you know, around the 60th minute or something like that. So that's, that's my suspicion. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll probably get a little bit better of an idea tomorrow when there's some availability uh, and then more the centers are going to open up training again on Saturday, which is uh, they've, I guess they're getting into a pattern where they're opening training when they're at, at Lumen field. Mm. Uh, and so they opened up the training session before their season opener. And this will be the second time they've had media at training in over a year. So, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see if anything comes of that, but um, yeah, it should be a good game. You know, the, the, we haven't had a high leverage Sounders galaxy match for a few years. I don't, man, I don't remember the last time there was like a game where they were both even this early, like with a caveat that this is early in the season, they just haven't been in comparable positions very often, uh, really maybe since 2015 when they met in the playoffs. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a, you know, a throwback in some ways. Yeah. And aren't you glad that the open cup is not going to be decided by the first three games? Because I think uh, both teams had pretty tough schedules to open the season. So I'm, yeah, I'm pretty yeah, glad well, that that's not going to be the uh, quality. Well, who knows? Anymore. I mean, I, I suppose it's still possible that they could, they could still do that. Uh, we, we, they of course have postponed the open cup indefinitely, essentially like right now it looks like it's not going to happen, but I suppose if they decide that it does happen, which would be strange, but maybe not the most crazy thing in the world. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it, it does seem like the Sounders were definitely one of the teams who felt like they had a tough opening schedule and the galaxy playing two or three on the road was also tough. I don't know why they thought the first, I guess maybe that was where it made when they were going to have the season starting 
or when they were going to have the open cup starting, I guess maybe the three weeks, first three weeks, what they had to do, but I don't know. It, it seemed like odd to have an odd number of games since a lot of teams were going to have two games on the road and one at home. Right. And I mean, to be fair, it, you know, it's, even the first three games doing it based on results is better than like just giving Atlanta United the spot or something like that. Oh, but right. you know, it, it still wasn't ideal to be like, wow, three games in, we're going to decide who's in the open cup. That's crazy. Okay. Right. Yeah. That would have, it was a very strange, a strange decision, but uh, hopefully that's not what ends up happening. And uh, yeah. And instead we just get to look at the regular season standings uh, for whatever that's worth, I guess. But um Good stuff. Well, uh, Alicia, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you aren't already following her, I really would recommend soccer at soccer musings on Twitter uh, at LAG confidential is the, is the team account. LAG confidential is also the site where she does a lot of her writing uh, when she's not at doing angels on parade or centerline soccer. So uh, thank you so much for doing this, Alicia. It was great having you and uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing from you more this year. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm having fun doing this every week now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll catch you next time. The Center okay. Heart Podcast.